You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, the Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore FCC. Joining me this episode is co-host and founder of ReadingReaction.com, Will Miles, and you can find Will on Twitter at WillMilesSE. Well, this is, uh, I think, the game Mississippi State fans have been waiting for, Florida fans have been waiting for, as Dan Mullen takes his Gators to Starkville. Absolutely, man. This one's going to be wild. I mean, certainly Stark Vegas is going to be uh, <laughs> going to be an interesting place to be that weekend. There's been quite a bit of bile spewed towards mm. Dan Mullen from the Mississippi State fan base, which has been surprising considering what he did there and, and you know, that he stayed for nine years. I mean, that, that's a pretty substantial um, time period to commit to a place like Mississippi State. And yeah, so we'll see. I'm sure there's probably some hurt feelings on both sides, and they got those cowbells up there. So, uh, <laughs> so it'll be loud, and we'll see how Florida can uh, can react to that. Yeah, some of the media letting him have it too. Uh, they 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 kind of took it personal in a way uh, at points. So we'll get into all that just a little bit. But uh, remember, you can find all oh, your Gators breakdown episodes, all the past uh, opponent previews. You can get them there at newsforjacks.com/slash Gators Breakdown. All the past Gators Breakdown episodes, as well as articles from the News for Jack sports team. That's newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Listen on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube if you want the video version. When using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gators Breakdown. And follow us on social media at Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So we we can name this the, the Dan Mullen Bowl, I guess, Will, just for lack of better terms. And hey, it just kind of fits. Um, uh, Mullen, as we said, he, he will return into a madhouse there when this, when this game comes around, uh, those fans are ready. Some of those fans are ready, are just ready to let him have it. Some feel spurned by Mullen. Uh, so I think the atmosphere will be pretty intense. Uh, he'll, he'll return to his former school and he left them in great shape. I mean, you're definitely one of their most talented teams, uh, and talented in the right places, quarterback, defensive line, uh, and Moorhead is working uh, Joe Moorhead, the new head coach there at Mississippi state. Uh, he's working off of what Dan Mullen already built up. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Mullen averaged top 25 recruiting classes while he was there, which is pretty high for Mississippi State. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm overwhelmed by the amount of talent that they have on their team, but certainly they got a lot of production under Mullen. I think that's what Florida fans are hoping is that Mullen is going to be able to do the same thing with Florida except elevated. I mean, if you look at the starters for Mississippi State, the starting 22 – um, based on their 24-7 rankings, they were at 87.4. That's pretty much in line with Kentucky. Kentucky's 87.1. So mm. if you think highly about Dan Mullen, um, you know, compare Kentucky to Mississippi State this year, that'll tell you something about, about how good he is. And really his record there is impressive considering that the talent level at Mississippi State is probably about what you would get at Kentucky. And if you look at Florida starting 22, they're at 91.3. Um, Again, starters. Now, when you start looking at the two deep, Florida's talent drops off quite a bit because some of the recruiting issues that we've talked about extensively. But at least at the starting 22 this early in the season, um, Florida has more talent, or at least more talent based on the based on the recruiting rankings. The question is, you know, the fact that Mullen has found these guys who can produce, um, you know, are they're outplaying their talent profile and we'll see if Moorhead can keep that going. Yeah, and this would be the second game in a row where Mullen faces a, a new head coach, um, you know, on the road uh, as well. Uh, as of course, the game before you had uh, Jimmy Pruitt in Tennessee. Now Moorhead taking over for uh, for Mullen at Mississippi State. Uh, and speaking of uh, of Moorhead, there like, back at Fordham, uh, that was a one win program. He turned into a thirty eight and thirteen uh, win program, uh, a record program in his four years. Uh, there are three appearances in the uh, FCS playoffs there. Uh, so, of course, he's known for his offense. That's his calling card. He has a defense now at Mississippi State. But, look, he had Saquon Barkley and and, and Trace McSorley at Penn State to be able to, to, to lean on kind of different type of talent when you're just talking about Nick Fitzgerald's ability to throw the ball. He can run it. Don't get me wrong. He's really, really good on the ground with his legs. Uh, Aris Williams, that running back from Mississippi State as well. Uh, so he's got a quarterback and a running back to work with but maybe just a different skill set than what he had at Penn State. Yeah, well, I mean, what he did at Penn State was pretty impressive. Now, where that credit lies, I think, is the question that we need to try to ask. And so in 2014, Penn State was 120th in yards per play on the offense at 4.4. 2015, they were 82nd at 5.2, already trending in the right direction, but certainly offenses that were pretty poor. Um, you know, Moorhead comes in in 2016. They're immediately 17th at 6.4 yards per play and then 16th in 2017. Um, and and that coincides, obviously, with Barkley's emergence as, as a real weapon and a top pick in the draft, which for running backs pretty impressive, and the McSorley playing really, really well. And the question you have to ask is, well, okay, is that is that James Franklin's first set of recruits really coming through and paying off and Moorhead was able to utilize them. And certainly, you know, you can't, you can't diminish what he did. I mean, he was the offensive coordinator when he used the weapons that he had in a way that, uh, you know, that, that utilized them to the best of their abilities. And and that's a good thing to, you know, if you're a coach, that's all you can do is put your players to position to succeed. But when you start looking at what he did at Akron, so Akron before he got there, the two years before he got there were 76th and 65th in yards per play. And then they went 81st and 106th in his first year and then 33rd. So there was an, there was an improvement in that third year, but certainly not in the first two. And then if you look at UConn before he came there, they were 85th and 68th and then 58th, 99th, and 113th in his three years at UConn. There's a reason he wound up at Fordham. It's because UConn's offense was terrible. So, you know, and, and after he left, they didn't get any better. They were 114th and 118th. But if you eliminate the two years at Penn State, 
the teams, the two years before and the two years after he was there, ranked 89th point ninth. 89.9. If you look at uh, the Wally was there, they were 82 basically overall. And so is that seven spot difference in offensive ranking more reflective of who he is, or is it more, or is the Penn state um, recent, recent results really more reflective? I don't think we know that, but I have my suspicions that, uh, that McSorley is a special player and that Barkley was a transcendent one. And that um, we, we might really see that this year at Mississippi state. Yeah, talking with the offense and Fitzgerald, there will be a, a little bit of adjustment there. It will be a new offense. It's an offense that if you go back to, to Penn State, could be a little quicker uh, the, there. And you know they brought in offensive coordinator Luke Getze from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so you know his time with Aaron Rodgers, you know, we'll see how he can translate that uh, into turning Nick Fitzgerald into a more uh, accomplished passer. But uh, Mississippi State last year averaged 419 yards and 32 points per game. Uh, but can the, the question is I have for Fitzgerald, of course, when we talk about passing, it's not necessarily the easy stuff. They had a lot of trouble passing the ball down the field last year. And that was the, the biggest knock on, on Nick Fitzgerald as a passer. You know, at Penn State, 8.2 yards per pass last year and then 9.3 in 2016. Last year for Nick Fitzgerald, only averaged 6.1 yards per throw. Dak Prescott, we went back and we looked at his numbers in the previous episodes of Gators Breakdown. He was averaging over eight yards a pass under Dan Mullen in the, in, in the same offense. So if if this offense is going to take the next step and if Mississippi State is going to compete for the SEC West and you know give Florida some trouble with the defensive backs Florida has, they're going to have to get that uh, they're going to have to get that downfield passing attack under control. Yeah, they were 118th in yards in pass yards per play last year. They were, I believe, 112th the year before. So both years under Fitzgerald, and then and then the years before that, they they, they were 37th and 14th under Pres- under Prescott. Um, so certainly they were much much more capable of passing the ball when Prescott was the quarterback, which shouldn't be a surprise. Prescott's a very very good mm-hmm. player. I think though, what it does do is say, okay what do they do well? They run the ball very, very well. The reason Fitzgerald is a good player is because he averaged 6.1 yards per rush last year, and he averaged over seven the year before. Same thing with Caton Thompson when they brought him in. He had a 48.5% completion percentage and a 5.9 yard per attempt on his passing, and but he was 5.9 yards per rush. And so, you know, the quarterbacks for Mississippi State were averaging six yards a clip when they were running the ball. They were averaging six yards a clip when they threw the ball. Um, can can Moorhead get them to average the 8.4 like McSorley did last year? I think it's a tall task to ask, particularly when you look at these guys' high school records of accuracy. I think Mullen was really extracting the most he could out of them based on their skill set. If Moorhead decides he's going to try to make it fun and gun and chuck it all over the place, I, I think they may really struggle on offense because it's really not playing to their strength. Well, especially you have yeah, Aris Williams, who, who's a good running back. And like, look, we know Moorhead knows how to use a running back. We saw it with Saquon Barkley. Uh, but you know, there has been a lot of talk of of making Fitzgerald this passing type of quarterback uh, lately. But Aris Williams last year, 1,100 yards, basically uh, six touchdowns on the season. Uh, they only lose one starter from the offensive line, Martinez Rankin, uh, there. So the, the front five, you know, really, and just to speak well for Florida too, is you know the 11th uh, 11th best ground game. You know, going along with Aris Williams, but because of that offensive line, they only lose one starter from that offensive line uh, there. So uh, we know it's going to be uh, if Moorhead is if he's going to 
coach to the team strength. It's still going to be Aris Williams. It's still going to be Fitzgerald, and it's still going to be behind a strong offensive line. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. One thing that I haven't really heard recently when people are talking about Fitzgerald is the injury he's coming off of. Yeah. I mean, it may be that you have to make him a, a pocket good passer. Point. Yeah, good point. Does he, is he going to have the mobility? Is he going to have the strength in that ankle to be able to do the types of things he was doing beforehand? I mean, that was a Gordon Hayward injury. That was that was ugly. That was mm-hmm. not something I want to ever see again. And, you know, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm glad he's back, and hopefully he's as good as he was before, except for when he's playing Florida. But, um, you know, is he going to be that same player? And if he's not the same player and doesn't have the same mobility, are you going to be able to convert him into a pocket passer? I just, I, I think that's a big question mark. I mean, every time a running back comes back off of an ACL injury, you know, we see that it takes quite a bit of time for him to get back. I mean, and this is really sort of the first big game for Mississippi State. I mean, they got Kentucky before this and some other, you know, but again, I don't think, I don't consider those big games. I mean, this is a big game in yeah. Starkville. You got the quarterback there and he's, it's a new offense that he's learning. His skill set may not fit the offense quite as well as, uh, as maybe some other guys. And it's going to be really interesting to see because I don't necessarily know whether he's got the skill set even before the injury. It'll be interesting to see whether he does afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and if not, you know, Keaton Thompson did play, uh, took over fifth fifth show. He played some sparingly uh, in the season or during the season before, uh, but really, you know, took over fifth Fitzgerald against Ole Miss. They ended up losing that game, but he did have a, a good showing in a bowl game versus, versus Louisville uh, there with the interim coach. Uh, there after Dan Mullen went to Gainesville. Um, most of the wide receivers are back, but Marco Wilson, Christopher Henderson probably shouldn't be scared too much. Uh, Jesse Jackson, he led the way last year with only 27 catches and no touchdowns. So <laughs> you know, Keith Nixon had some ankle injuries. Uh, Dedrick Thomas is a uh, he's been there for a while. He led the team with four four touchdowns. Uh, they got a JUCO transfer, Stephen Goodry, uh, who probably will you know kind of lead the way. It's kind of what they're hoping for anyway. But these wide receivers really shouldn't scare the Florida secondary. Yeah, you know, I mean, Florida's defense last year gave up eight yards per attempt, which was well over a hundredth in terms of its ranking on on the defensive side of the ball. So I don't know that we need to be saying that they shouldn't be worried about anybody. I think they should be they should be worried. Certainly, when you're on the road um, and you get caught up in one on one coverage, I mean, you know, if if all the quarterback has to do is throw it up, um, you're gonna you're gonna complete a few of those. But um, no, I mean, this is not an aerial. It's not an aerial show. They were 73rd in offensive yards per play last year. Mississippi State. They were 21st in rush yards per play, and they were 118th in pass yards per play. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it's uh, it's it's reasonable to expect that they will improve a little bit in the pass under Moorhead, but I think it's also reasonable to expect that they'll decrease or or you know see some regression in the running game because if they're having the quarterbacks throw a lot more, then their addition to the running game is going to be muted. So. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nobody on that. There, there's nobody in that receiving list, you know, mixing Gidry Jackson or even the tight end, Farid Green. None of those guys are people who jump out at me as, oh, this is an absolute stud. You got to stop him and you're going to have to put two guys on this guy all the time. Um, certainly, I think this is a place where Grantham might be able to really cause some havoc, especially if Mississippi State isn't running their quarterback um, without that threat being able to uh, put pressure on Fitzgerald in an environment where, you know, he hasn't seen that caliber of athlete yet. Yeah, and going into this game, if Moorhead kind of keeps the same theme that we saw under Mullen, look, Mississippi State was number one in the SEC last year in third down conversions and time of possession. You know, Florida defense last year was okay uh, in third down uh, situations. Probably one of the strengths of the t- of the defense last year for it kind of just all fell apart. Uh, 
So, you know, we'll kind of see there uh, of where it goes because with that, you know, you kind of have the potential to, to, to have some close games when third downs just keep getting converted in time of possession uh, when you, your offense is on the field a lot. And the way Florida's defense played last year, maybe you can get them off the field on third down. I guess that's just not really the way Moorhead has coached in the past. I mean, yeah. you, you look at what he's done. It, it has been going downfield, certainly a lot of times to Barkley, which is a good option. Um, but they have not been a time of possession team. They have been a team that's taken its shots and they've been a team that's run pretty quick offense. Um, you know, it, when you look at where Florida lost, they lost in the chunk yardage plays last year. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times where it was like, okay, third and eight, and all right, here's a 50-yard run, <laughs> or here's a 50-yard pass. Uh, A&M was a great example. That game against A&M last year, I mean, I think there were like six completed passes or something in that entire game, but four of them were for like more than 40 yards, and so... And so that's why they lost the game. I mean, AM was able to get into field goal range a bunch because they'd hit one play and then they'd get points. Um, so if Florida can eliminate that against a team like like Mississippi State, make Fitzgerald dink and dunk his way down the field, you know, that that to me is 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 exactly what you want. You want Moorhead to start feeling like he's got to take some shots down the field um, because that's just not Fitzgerald or Thompson's strength. All right. Now if we move to the other side of the ball where this is where it kind of scares me a little bit, Will. <laughs> and it's in this Mississippi State uh, front that they have. They had eight starters back on the defense altogether. And look, we, we, we've, we've said the numbers a long time or for a while now because of Todd Grantham coming over to Florida as well. Hey, look, Bob Shute, former, T, former Tennessee defensive coordinator, coming in, going to lead the way on defense for Joey Moorhead. But eight starters back on that defense, as I mentioned, 10th in the nation in yards allowed. You know, we've said that a lot as, of the improvement Todd Grantham did. Gave up just 21, excuse me, uh, 21 points per game. Here's the stat, Will. Uh, when the defense allowed more than 27 points, Mississippi State 0 and 4. When it allowed fewer, it won and it went 9 and 0. So 27 points seems to be the, the barometer there. If the defense is any type of the same, you have to wonder to yourself can Florida get to 27 points? Yeah, well, I'm not, I mean, did Florida score 27 points? I guess against maybe Vanderbilt last year. Yeah. I'm trying, and, and maybe Kentucky. Um, yeah, I mean, that defensive front is obviously very good. Montez Sweat, Braxton Hoyt, Jeffrey Simmons, Jerry Green. Um, you know, a, a five star in Simmons, a four star in Green, and then a couple of three stars. One of them pretty highly ranked, Montez Sweat. Um, certainly, Sweat has outperformed that three star rating last year at 10 and a half sacks, 15 and a half tackles for loss. Um, Simmons last year played very well as played very well as well 12 tackles for loss five sacks and green had 11 tackles for loss and five sacks so there's going to be some pressure coming from that defensive line and with the quarterback situation at florida you can imagine that might turn into some turnovers with the cowbells on the road you know having i mean granted the nice part is florida will have already been on the road the week before mm -hmm. so you know if, if a quarterback's going to be intimidated he will have been intimidated the week before <laughs> so so he will have gotten over those first road jitters but at the same time i mean quarterbacks almost always universally play worse on the road especially young quarterbacks um and the defensive line is not going to help that i mean it, it, that is the one place where you say there's an advantage there for mississippi state um on that defensive line and the production they've shown versus Florida's offensive line and the production they've shown on a talent basis, you know, Florida should be able to move the ball a little bit um, and should be able to run and should be able to knock Mississippi state back a little bit. But again, based on production, which is what really matters, but based on production, Mississippi state's pretty good up front. Yeah. And, and hopefully, you know, Mullen and, and Grantham and those guys coming over, they, they, they kind of know that defense. They can scout it. Uh, well, they know some weaknesses there. So hopefully they can take advantage of that. 
But we're also going back to Jim McElwain's first year in 2015 and, and going back to that old Miss game. And I was basically the same reason. And going, in, going into that game, I was like, this Florida offensive line has no chance <laughs> against that old Miss defensive line. And probably one of their best games in the Jim McElwain era. They, they, they slowed down that, that land shark defense. Hopefully, when this game comes around, it's kind of the same result because that defensive front is definitely one of – it will be one of the biggest tests of this Florida offensive line. It's still kind of early in the season, but as you mentioned, you you had that game against Tennessee the week before. You can get some of the kinks out from from being on the road uh, from the week before, but it's imperative that the the Gators go on the road and and run the ball just to slow down that front because they're strong and they're fast. So with with, with the guys, with Sweat and, and Simmons, you know, Sweat, you know, he's kind of that hybrid guy. You can end outside linebacker. He, he he's going to be that that playmaker. You got you got to slow a guy like that down, and no better way to do it than running the ball. Yeah, you know, I I think obviously every time you go on the road, especially with an unproven quarterback, you want to be able to run the ball. Um, one thing that I take so for all the production that we talk about with the defensive line, Mississippi State's defense wasn't all that great last year. They were 31st in points per game against FBS opponents. So again, when we take out the cupcakes, they were 31st in points per game. They were 47th in rush yards per play. They were 69th in pass yards per play. And so they were 48th overall in defensive yards per play. So they were middle of the pack defense. Um, You know, really. (laughs) So they were 73rd overall in offensive yards per play, 48th in defensive yards per play, and somehow went nine and four. (laughs) So. And so going to that, we would just, I do have a stack kind of going with that. The other three losses beside Ole Miss because of you know Fitzgerald getting injured. The other three losses all came when uh, Mississippi State gave up 200 yards or more on the ground. I mean, 200 yards is a, is a lot. So they're the one in seven the last two seasons were giving up 200 yards or more. So Florida could come in and get over 200 yards rushing. There you go. You might you might have found your stat to get a win. Yeah. Well, I mean, so again, I think they were in the backfield a lot, but I also wonder whether, and again, I haven't broken down the tape extensively. I wonder whether they were in the backfield because they were sending extra guys and Grantham is known for sending extra guys. And if you're sending extra guys, you're exposing your secondary. And when you expose your secondary, Oh, all of a sudden you're 69th in, in defensive yards per play. So 7.4 yards per play. Like I said, Florida was at eight. So Florida was worse last year, but um, you know, that's indicative of a team that's probably exposing its secondary in some capacity capacity in order to get some of those big plays and hey they went nine and four last year where you know the the name of the game score more than your opponent and they were able to do that nine out of the 13 times but this is not the 27 yankees (laughs) this is not (laughs) alabama's defensive line it's a very good defensive line there are some players there who have put up quite a bit of production but you know again I, i look at the talent profiles of even the defensive line and it's not really um, other than Jeffrey Simmons, it's not really that impressive overall on defense. There are some places you're going to be able to exploit. Um, you know, Leo Lewis at linebacker is another highly ranked four-star guy. Jamal Peters, um, Jamal Peters at cornerback, a highly ranked four-star guy. Other than that, we're really talking about sort of mid to low-level three-star guys on that defense. Doesn't mean they're not good players, but it does mean that there should be some spaces that Florida can take advantage of if Mullen designs plays correctly. And if, uh, if the quarterback can execute one other thing, I think we should mention here is that Mullen knows these guys. Yep. He knows absolutely every one of these guys, strengths and weaknesses. And that's something that he should be able to take advantage of. Um, 
you know, in, in terms of, Hey, I know this guy um, doesn't deal with this route combination well, or I know I can get this guy to jump on a route and maybe double move him or, you know, whatever the case might, I, you know, I know that this defensive lineman doesn't like it when he's chop blocked. Yeah. And so we're going to do it like the first four plays of the game to really get him <laughs> riled up. I do think that's an advantage. I mean, yeah. I, I think coming in there and saying, Hey, he's an offensive guy who knows what his defensive, what his defensive limitations were last year. Um, you know, I, I think that's an advantage. And I think that's a place where Florida can make some hay. Uh, and to Mississippi state's credit, though, there's three games that I mentioned where they gave up 200 yards or more on the ground, Alabama, Georgia, Auburn. So, <laughs> you know, so like they, they were the only team to to struggle uh, on the you know defending the run uh, against those teams, but that is kind of scary. We you know we'll we'll get to Georgia later on, but how Georgia ran on Florida last year and the way Todd Grantham couldn't handle that Georgia offense last year, whew, that's a scary that's a scary thought. Yeah, at the end of the day, when you've got better players, it makes it, <laughs> it makes it, it makes it easier to do that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a real test. This is going to be a barometer, I think, for Mullen. If Mullen can go into Starkville and get the win, especially if he's coming off a win against Tennessee, um, you know, who who is in my opinion significantly more talented than Mississippi State, um, you know, at, at that point you're really leaning towards a season that could be special, um, just because you sort of got past that that uh, that emotional part of the season where this, you know, leading into the Mississippi State game, it's going to be, hey, can Mullen, you know, can Mullen write the ship? Can Mullen write the ship? Can Mullen write the ship? You go to Tennessee, whether you win or lose that game, as long as it's close, I think you're still saying, okay, this Mississippi State game is key to the season. You win this game, it really sets you up going into LSU in the swamp the next week. And so, um, you know, this is an important one. And I think some of the – again, it, it boils down to quarterback play as it always does. Fitzgerald and Thompson were better than Frank's last year, but it'll be interesting to see whether they can be better than Frank's in Moorhead's offense. I can't wait for I can't wait for game week for this game. It should it should be really fun. And, I mean, of course, we know the storyline. It'll be a national storyline, of course, and especially if Florida's winning. Can Mississippi State? You look at their schedule; they should be they should be undefeated going into this game. You know, Florida. Most people are picking them to be four zero going into this game. You know, a lot hinges on going going to Tennessee. But th- this this game will get talked about a whole lot. Some you know, nation's eyes will kind of be on this game just because of purely Dan Mullen returning to Starkville. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure that they'll have uh, they'll have Tebow and SEC Nation there, and <laughs> and Peter Burns and all those guys, and it'll be a big deal. And you know, the Corso will be out there with the cowbells or whatever if they decide <laughs> to bring uh, if they decide to bring game day. And yeah, I mean, it, it, like I said, there's been quite a bit of vitriol from the Mississippi State fans, which was a little bit surprising to me. Yeah. I guess you know, I just sort of anticipated that they understood that that as much as Mullen wanted to say it, that Florida was not a lateral move when it came to Mississippi <laughs> State. And, and that, I mean, let's be honest, Florida's a better program. Florida has more money. If they'd have paid him $7 million, he would have stayed at Mississippi State. So, um, you know, so it's okay to be who you are, but you are who you are. And and I'm, I've been surprised at how, at how uh, gleeful they've been at some of the some of the recruiting things that have gone on and that sort of stuff, but a lot of it's just in good fun. A lot of it is, yeah. you know, hey, they do have a higher recruiting ranking right now, so they probably should be uh, should be crowing a little bit, and and you know, I'm sure that'll continue as as we head into the game day. Yeah, and uh, you know, all in all, it's all according to 
how it's played on the field, and uh, you can't you can't take away what he did at Mississippi State and built him up there. So I think he'll get some respect. You know, if there'll be some fans, you know, cheering, clapping. Uh, but just because it is a football game and that is the opponent, there'll, there'll be a lot more booze and, and, and cowbells, probably in both hands for a lot of fans. <laughs> hey, man, I hope they go into this one in the Stormtrooper uniforms. You may as well dress like the enemy when you're going into enemy territory. Yeah, We're the all whites again. I'm good with that. <laughs> all right. That's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles SEC. His work at readandreaction.com. Uh, he'll have some uh, opponent previews uh, up there as well, going even more in depth. Uh, with, with the Gators opponents uh, this season. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. Gators Breakdown.